All right. Well, I want to welcome you this morning. My name is Adam Young, if you're new with us. Uh, and I'm the lead pastor here at Element Church. And just coming to enjoy this relaxing time of fellowship and food. And uh, I hope you got enough to eat. If you did not, there is still, I think, quite a bit more. Or, yeah, my brother, leave it to him. He's in line. He's getting more. So now you don't have to feel bad. You can go back too. Uh, and so feel free to grab some more if you'd like. If you'd like some more coffee or water, feel free to do that. Um, it's nice to have my brother actually down from South Dakota uh, here today and, and just jumped right in playing the drums. Um, you know, in our family, Austin got every bit of the musical gene that was available transferred to him. He's been playing uh, instruments since he was young. I didn't get any of that gene, but I got all the rest. So, uh, so no, it's good. It's good having him down here uh, from South Dakota, and, and, and we're glad to have you as well. So two weeks ago, we started a series um, called We Are Element. We're really just talking about some, some, some defining characteristics of who we are as a church, but also kind of to set us up uh, for some new things that are coming down the pipeline, really as our church grows and matures and we're kind of moving to a, a new phase of, of development and maturity as a church. Uh, and so in implementing some new things uh, as a part of that process. Two weeks ago, we talked about membership. And really, we just kind of made a biblical case for why membership, structured, formalized membership, um, is really supported by the Bible. And so we made that case. Uh, and then we introduced and announced that we are having a membership dinner. It'll actually be next Sunday evening. Uh, and so we are inviting all of you to that as we start and implement membership here at Element Church, uh, formal st- uh, structured membership. Uh, and so next Sunday, um, we would like to invite you to be a part of that. Child care will be provided and dinner will also be provided. We just need you to RSVP. And so the two easiest ways to do that, if you have your phone out and you're in the Bible app, um, right at the top of the Bible app, if you click on Element Church, uh, is a link to that membership dinner. You can click it, uh, answer like two or three questions, and RSVP. That way it's really quick and simple. If not, you can use your connection card that's somewhere on your table or near you. Um, Just on the back of it, let us know that you'd like to be a part of that membership class. Um, we just need to know how many adults and how many kids so we can be prepared for child care and for food. And you can take that card and drop it in the little basket uh, that was right there at the beginning of, uh, of the buffet line uh, on the table. So as you leave today, you can drop that card off there. Um, and then so last week, we talked about partnership. So week one was membership. Last week was partnership. Um, some churches would call that volunteers or volunteer ministry. Um, but we don't really believe that's what the Bible calls us to. That the Bible calls us to so much more than just a, a volunteer mentality or a volunteer role. It really calls us to partner with God in what He's doing in this world, in this community, uh, and partnering along with the local church. And so um, we, we presented some new opportunities. If you were here or if you were not here last week, um, everybody got one of these sheets. Uh, and it listed all of the new partnership, some that were existing, some brand new partnership opportunities in our church. And so um, if you weren't here last week and didn't get a chance to see this or uh, for us to talk about it or a chance to sign up um, for different partnership opportunities that you may have interest in, uh, I'll mention this at the end of the service and how you can uh, get involved in that. 
So this week, in our very brief time together, um, we talked about membership week one, partnership week two. Today we're talking about leadership. Um, and here's really how I want to approach this. And most of the time, um, when we think of leadership, we think of titles. Uh, that's how it works in many of our uh, outside, you know, corporate worlds, uh, that certain people have certain titles, and that you know, gives them certain amounts of authority and decision-making power. Um, whether they're over you or under you, or as, as you move up in the ladder, it comes with a change in title. And so most of the time we think of titles. And certainly within the church, there are certain titles and leadership positions. We see that even in the New Testament, in the early days of the church, that they began forming uh, some, some structured leadership. But more than talking about actual titles and positions, uh, what I want you to think about as we really talk about and think about what the Bible has to say about leadership is your own spiritual leadership. All of you are called to be spiritual leaders. Now, maybe that doesn't mean all of you are called to be a pastor or start your own church. Maybe it does for some of you. Maybe God is going to do that in your life at some point. I never planned or anticipated starting a church. Um, but that was what God had in store for, for my wife and I. But what I want you to think is not about position, not about titles, not about something formal and structure, structured, but your own spiritual leadership. You have people in your life um, that God has equipped you and placed you to be a spiritual leader. Could be your spouse, could be your children, could be someone in your home, it could be someone next door, it could be someone at work. God has uniquely equipped you and positioned you to be in a place of spiritual leadership. And how do I know that? I know that because you're sitting right here today. Because there are people in your lives who are very far from God. And to be a spiritual leader doesn't mean you have all the answers. It means that you're in a position ahead of someone else and willing to guide them along. And so there are people in your life... Uh, who are far from God, who need your influence in spiritual leadership. Now, we, were, we will kind of tailor this and at the very end kind of talk about structure and formalized leadership within Element Church. But, but for now, I want you to think about your own spiritual leadership and maybe a new level of leadership that God is calling you to. And so um, we're going to look at just a couple verses together. And I have a couple ideas of really what the Bible has called spiritual leaders to. And the first one is commitment and conviction. If you'll look with me in Acts chapter 20. So some of you, if you're going to do this, you'll have to have your Bible app open because we didn't put Bibles on the tables. Uh, or these will also be on the screen, but I encourage you to follow along in the Bible app. Uh, it's much easier that way, and you can have those scriptures and notes to reference later. Acts 20, and I'm going to start in verse 17. And the only reason I'm going to start in verse 17 is it sets the stage. Now, from Miletus... He sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come join him. Now, that's the Apostle Paul. And the only reason I read that is to set, set up the, the stage that Paul has called all these leaders, these elders, um, from the church in Ephesus to come meet with him. Paul is actually on his way to Jerusalem in, in this part of his life. will soon be arrested. He will spend some time in a prison in Jerusalem. He will be transferred to Caesarea because of a threat on his life. He will then go and be transferred to prison in Rome to be uh, in trial before Caesar himself. Caesar, it would be uh, Nero at the time. 
Um, and that's where the book of Acts ends. We actually don't know what happened to Paul when he got to Rome and went to his trial before Caesar Nero. Um, it's presumed that he was actually set free, continued on to do ministry, was later rearrested and beheaded by Nero uh, in, in the mid to late 60s A.D., uh, but we don't know because this is actually where the Bible ends with his imprisonment. So, so he is about to be imprisoned in Jerusalem. So this is kind of a last hurrah um, he, he's giving to, to these church leaders. And it says this in verse 28, Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God which he obtained with his own blood. And so I, I want you to notice... Really, two things here. Um, one, Paul tells these leaders, hey, God has given you a flock. What, what the Bible loves to do is, is refer to us as sheep, as followers of Christ as sheep. And it says that Jesus is the great chief shepherd, um, and that local church leaders are also shepherds, but, but really under shepherds, under the great shepherd. And so um, he says, care for the flock that God has given you oversight over. But what does he say at the beginning of verse 28? Pay careful attention to yourselves. One of the most important aspects of spiritual leadership is not that you spend most of your time focusing on those who you are leading, but on your own leadership, on your own life. A lot of times in leadership, we think our job, whether it's in the church or in work or in the world, that our job is to focus on those who are underneath us. But when it comes to spiritual leadership, your primary focus is on yourself. That you can't, because you can't lead someone where you're not willing to go yourself. That before you earn the right to lead others spiritually, you have to pay attention to your own life. And as God has called all of us to be spiritual leaders in different forms in our life, different places in our life, it begins with us looking at ourselves. Not looking at the shortcomings of others, not looking at how far others have to go, but looking at ourselves first and our own shortcomings and how far we have to go as well. So it's commitment and conviction. And my second thought is character and competency. I'm going to have to quit looking down when I speak. This mic, my, my ear mic broke, and so... I have to get used to this one again. Character and competency. I want you to look at 2 Timothy 2.15 with me. This is Paul giving advice to another pastor again. He says, Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. There are two aspects to spiritual leadership. There's character, and then there's competency. There's a part of you that, that the secret parts of your life match up to what you're teaching, to what, in the ways in which you're leading other people spiritually. Um, that, that you're being true to what you're, what you're saying and how you're leading others. But there's also a level of competency. That, that as spiritual leaders, we have an obligation to know what we're talking about. Again, this doesn't mean you have every answer. That, that everything's perfect, that you can quote the Bible forwards and backwards in Hebrew and Greek and Aramaic and English, it, but it means that you take your job as a spiritual leader seriously. And that there's an expectation that as you lead people, you're leading them correctly. 
Um, Psalm 78 has a great statement about King David. King David from the Old Testament, the same David from David and Goliath, uh, if you're familiar with that story. And here's what it says about his leadership as he's leading the nation of Israel. With upright heart, he shepherded them and guided them with his skillful hand. It was an upright heart that led the way as he shepherded his people. There's that imagery of of a flock and a shepherd. But it wasn't just with an upright heart. It was also with skilled hands. Yes, our hearts must be in the right place. But there's also an expectation that we take our job as leadership very seriously and come prepared to the task. It doesn't mean that we have all the answers, but it means we're not afraid to do the hard work to find answers. So there's commitment and conviction, character and competency. I worked really hard at having all these start with C's, by the way, just so you know, because that does not come natural to me. I usually make fun of preachers who do that, actually. But I did it this week. And here's my third thought. Calling and community. Ephesians 4, 11 through 14. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers. So this is God giving spiritual gifts and certain leadership positions. Verse 12. To equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning and by craftiness and deceitful schemes. So I want you to notice what, what it says here about the gifts and leadership positions that God hands to people. And just like we talked about last week, that all of us have received gifts and that the gifts we've received, and we've received are God's outpouring of grace in your life. And so as God gives these abilities and skills and heart desires for leadership, it says the purpose is this, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. And so spiritual leadership begins as God equips, as God calls, as God gives gifts. And so even if you're sitting here now going, I'm not a spiritual leader, I'm not even a natural leader. Well, God may begin pouring out His grace on you and giving you gifts to lead. And it begins with a calling and a a gifting and a pouring out of God's grace in your life. But what's the purpose for it? It's not for you or your own gain. It's to build others up. In, in the business world, your leadership may be for profits and production. But in the spiritual world, your leadership is for people. It's to build others up. And so there is no such thing as a spiritual leader in isolation. Spiritual leaders invest their lives in others and in community. As God gifts, gives gifts to them, and calls them. And here's another side point that uh, this was a passage I almost read last week when we were talking about partnership, but 
just for time reasons, didn't get to it. But notice what the spiritual leaders, and these are some formal titles, apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, teachers. Uh, That word shepherd, the ESV translates it shepherd, but in your Bible, if you have like the NIV or something, it probably says pastor. They're the same word in Greek, so sometimes we translate it pastor, sometimes we translate it shepherd, but it's, it's, the same, it's the same thing. But notice what the purpose is not just to build others up, but to equip the people, the saints, for the works of ministry. That's why we believe in partnership here. That's why we, we, are, we don't use the word volunteer. Because everyone in this room, no matter what title you have or don't have, all of us are responsible for the work of ministry. That's all of us. We partner together to do ministry. It's not any one, two, three, four leader's job to do ministry. All of us partner together to do ministry. It's the leader's job to help equip those to do ministry. And that's why we believe in partnership. But spiritual leadership is all about community. And 1 Peter 5, 1 through 4 Here's the idea of how spiritual leadership works. So I exhort the elders among you. So this is Peter talking to, uh, to some church leaders. As a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God that is among you, or you could say pastor the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly not domineering over those in your charge, but by being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Spiritual leaders are kind of like apprentices. In the end, Jesus is the chief shepherd. He's the one who guides and cares for his flock, for the people. Spiritual leaders are supposed to work on behalf of Jesus to help guide others in the direction that Jesus wants them to go. Spiritual leaders don't come up with their own ideas and their own direction, their own vision, and their own mission. We join Jesus in His direction. We join Jesus in His mission and His vision. Spiritual leaders are under the influence of the greatest leader. As under-shepherds, we are under the chief shepherd, all moving in the same direction. And so I want you to think about your own spiritual leadership. Where is it that God is calling you or challenging you right now that if you're going to lead others, you're going to have to step up your game? Is it in your character, in your competency? Is it in your investment in the community of others? Is it in conviction? Or commitment? What is it that God is calling you to step it up? Because everyone in this room should be a spiritual leader to somebody. You may not have a title. You may not have an official position in a church. But you're called to lead others because there are others who are far from God who need your influence and leadership in their life. How is God calling you? to be a spiritual leader. Now, not only does this have a personal application, it has a church application. And we're not going to really get into it too deep today. We're going to save that for another week, but we'll at least introduce the idea today. And uh, I want to make a biblical case very quickly for why elders in a church are important. 
In Acts 14, 23, I'm skipping ahead a little bit, uh, Tim. I skipped ahead on you, just so you know. Acts 14, 23, it says, And when they had appointed elders for them in every church, with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. That was the common practice in the early church. That as a new church was started, usually by a guy like Paul or one of the apostles, they would help guide and lead the church anywhere for a few, from a few months to a few years. And then they would go on to the next city to start a new church. And they would appoint elders um, to help guide and lead the church. Now, we're going to talk about this more in another week. We won't do it today. Um, but we'll talk more about what elders are. And in the New Testament, an elder uh, is an official position of leadership in a church. It's not an old person. It can be an old person, um, but that's not the case that the Bible makes. And we'll talk about why that is uh, and, and really essentially why we translate an elder in our English Bible, but why it's not limited to age. And we'll, we'll talk about that in a few weeks. Um, but Titus 1, this is a, uh, another pastor Um, of a local church who Paul is writing a letter to. And in Titus 1, verse 5, he says this, This is why I left you in Crete. So Paul and Titus were together. They spent some time on the island of Crete. If you're familiar with the Mediterranean, uh, then you may know Crete or where it is, that, that island. So that you might put what remained into order and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. So Paul goes to Crete, begins planting new churches, and, and Titus is kind of his apprentice. Paul then moves on away from Crete and leaves Titus behind to continue putting things in order and to elect, help elect leaders in all these local churches that they help to start. Um, it, is, it is kind of the preferred and common practice in the church, uh, in the New Testament, that as a church begins to grow and develop and mature, and when the time is right, that the church elect elders to help guide and lead the church. And so here in a few weeks, we're going to actually spend a sermon where we talk about elders. What is an elder? Uh, what are the qualifications of an elder? And I'll walk you through that process. Um, but I believe that we're at a time in our church now where that's, we're, we're there. It's time for us to pray over, pray about, nominate, elect, and ordain elders in our church to help guide and lead us. Um, at this point, um, it's just kind of been a de facto, I've kind of been the leader, uh, the sole leader. Jay came on staff a little over a year ago, and then him and I kind of tag team and do it together. But we're at a place in our church um, that for the health of our church, that we should have a plurality of, of leaders, that it shouldn't be one person at the top leading. Um, and I've tried to do the best I can, but I think to be most um, faithful to, the, to, to what the New Testament calls us to, um, that there should be a plurality of elders. And so uh, that doesn't mean we're going to hire a bunch of people on staff. Um, an elder doesn't necessarily have to be on staff, um, but more of a spiritual leader who kind of helps guide and direct the overall direction of the church. And so um, more than anything, I'll say this, in several weeks, we'll come back to this idea of elders. We'll talk more about it. We'll talk about how we're going to go through the process throughout the rest of the year of, of, of basically nominating and electing elders in our church. And so we'll get into the nitty-gritty details at another time. But more than anything, uh, there's two applications for today. Where are you in your spiritual leadership? Because even if you don't know it, there are people looking for you, looking to you for answers. They may not be asking those questions, but they're looking at your life for answers. 
Are you leading them the way God has called you to lead them? And if not, in what areas can you make that next step in your own leadership? And two, uh, the application would be prayer. Our invitation to you to begin praying with us about who will step up to be leaders in our church um, as we move towards having a more formalized process of leadership uh, in Element. So why don't you pray with me as we close this morning?